0: welcome to the ocr underground show each week you get the latest research training secrets of top coaches and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free here's your host sgx coach mike diebler all right welcome to episode 106 of the ocr underground show this is your host mike diebler and as always, thank you so much for joining me and making this a part of your OCR training routine. You want to check out the show notes for today's episode. Make sure you head on over to OCRUnderground.com/slash/episode-dash-106. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving break and got to spend some times with family and friends. Uh, we got to do the uh, Oceanside Turkey Trot, and I ended up pacing my son, and he he PR'd by like two minutes, which was was really cool. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got to run the Rugged Maniac, which I hadn't done that uh, OCR before, and uh, did it with uh, a few clients from the studio, and that was a really fun one. Um, if you haven't heard of or seen the Rugged Maniac, it's um, definitely more mellow uh OCR type event. They do have a competitive heat. Um, we just did the, the open and had some fun out there. You know, no penalties. You just kind of tried the obstacle and then if you made it great. If not, you just move on to the next one. Uh definitely a good beginner course. Uh, it's a little challenging. There was probably three uh challenging obstacles that if you weren't prepared for you would really struggle with. And the rest were kind of like you just you just had to get in the mud or crawl or climb over something. Wasn't too bad, but they had a couple hanging ones, kind of their own rig set up that had some, uh, you know, vertical bars and then moving monkey bars all over water. Another one that was kind of like an uphill zip line that you had to run and get a running start, grab a rope and, and get enough momentum to get it moving and then fall into the water and uh and then a warp wall which was was pretty fun as well especially after you get out of the water so it was nice and slippery so uh definitely check out the rugged maniac especially if you're trying to talk some friends into maybe doing their fo- first ocr and intimidated with you know tough mudder and spartan and things like that this might be uh, a great starting point for them all right well as we end up the year hopefully you're uh, uh starting to plan for 2024 and the races out there um I was you know, a little disappointed this year. I only got to get a couple races in, but you know that's just how it goes with the kids' schedule. Uh, I am excited. I, I've already booked my first Spartan race for 2024. I just hope the schedules align and, and it all works out. So hopefully maybe even get a trifecta in this year and, and pick up my pace a little bit. So hopefully you have some fun plans um, for, for 2024, including some new races, trifectas, ultras, whatever it might be. And as always, I'll do my best to give you some good advice and tips to help you train the best you can for all those those different races. Uh, In today's episode, I wanted to dive into um, cold plunges and ice baths. And I know I've I've talked a little bit about this. Um, We do have a sponsor of the show that I'll talk about that um you know i have been using for a while and it's one of those things that i think more and more people are using uh you're seeing a lot of claims out there some i do think are true and some maybe a little misleading so i wanted to look into the science a little bit and just really dive deep into what are the real benefits at least that we know of and all the things that we should consider when uh if we're deciding to, to add cold, cold plunging into the routine so if you think about it or if you are already doing it uh definitely listen in i think you're gonna pick up some good things and and again hopefully just clear up some of the information out there so you know exactly uh what type of benefits you can exploit if you are going to be doing some, some cold plunges. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, I do want to take a minute and let you know about some of our other sponsors. Uh, with the new year around the corner and in the midst of the holidays, you might need something to help guide you along the way. The Dara Scale from FitTrack was just voted the best body monitor for health tracking in 2023. This simple tool can help you understand how your nutrition and exercise, are, exercise program are impacting your health. You get accurate measurements of 17 body composition metrics, monitor progress easily with daily and weekly health reports, and get nutrition and fitness tips tailored uh, to your specific goals. Uh, Right now, it's 50% off. Plus, you can get an additional 20% off when you use the code OCR underground. Uh, Definitely check it out for yourself or maybe a nice gift for somebody you know. Head on over to fittrack.com and check out that Dara scale. And if you are looking for help with getting better nutrition, specifically protein, definitely want to check out the Amino Company. Yeah. They have amino acid blends specifically made for workout performance, exercise and injury recovery, active aging and liver function. Getting enough protein and amino acids can be tough through diet alone. So adding a simple product like this is a great way to ensure you're getting exactly what you need. Check out their products at the Amino Company.com aminoco.com slash OCR and use code OCR to save 30% off your order. All right, well let's get into today's episode. So I've talked a lot in the past about recovery and how I've recently been really enjoying ice baths as part of my routine for a lot of different reasons, but it's it's really been something that I have enjoyed implementing. And obviously, ice baths and cold plunges are getting more and more popular. And sometimes I cringe a little bit when I hear some of the claims out there being made uh, about ice baths and, and things that they might be able to do. So up front, of course, I still use them and I really enjoy it. But I felt like it was important that we talk a little bit about some of the info that's that's out there being being spread about cold plunges. So in this episode, I wanted to kind of take this deep dive, share some of my personal experiences, some anecdotal evidence, plus some of the science behind it. And, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about research and science on this podcast because I think it really helps guide us. But, you know, we always won't have the whole uh, situation figured out, right? We We take bits and pieces of things. So it's okay to make claims, but as long as we understand really when there's science on a topic and research is done in a very specific way to get some type of result, it may not be exactly what you're doing. And, and that'll hopefully make sense as we talk about some of the, the claims that people make with, with ice baths. So there's many reasons why you might incorporate cold plunges into your routine. Some will do it for the mental toughness, resiliency, grit, that aspect of it. And getting in very cold water for an extended period of time is definitely going to help in that regard. But for this discussion, I really wanted to stick a little bit more on the physiology behind cold exposure and, and how it affects your body. I'm not negating or, or talking anything bad about the, the mental aspect of it, and I do that's part of the reason why I do it, because I do think there are a lot of benefits to it. But I think that research is still pretty new and a little bit hard to to really understand what's going on there and, and some of the details. So um, I wanted to make sure I at least had some, some science to back up some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So we're going to focus... Um, a little bit more on the physiology side of it. So um, I also wanted to make sure I specify on what exactly we're talking about here, because there's different different types of cold therapy. So specifically, we're, the main thing I'm going to be talking about is cold water immersion. Um, that's not the same as cryotherapy, and it's not the same as cold showers and not to talk bad about either of those things. But most of the research that, you know, I really tried to dive into looked more specifically at cold water immersion. And some of it actually just looked at cold exposure in general, which is just, um, you know, being in cold, right? So those that are in winter temperatures, uh, cold temperatures for extended period of time, not just through getting in water, but just being Uh, exposed to cold it it has an effect on the body and you know sometimes people make claims based on those type types of studies and that's there's a difference between spending months in in a cold environment versus you know a a five minute cold plunge so um, just want to make sure we we understand there's similarities to a lot of these different things but they're different so um, we just want to make that, that clear. You know, I, I really have seen very little, not that there's none, but not a ton of research on cold showers. And I know that's really popular because it's super easy to do, right? You just turn the water on cold, get in, uh, deal with that cold and, and, you know, go about your day. And and that's a pretty simple thing that most people can do. And and a lot of people will do that for, again, that mental toughness, resiliency, uh, potentially, you know, dopamine release, Um, and, and probably a lot of other benefits too, that we'll see there. But again, um, there's some things that cold showers, for example, aren't going to do. And I think really the the two important factors that we're going to be talking about today are time and temperature. Um, and that's really where we start to see some of this, uh, physiology kick into place and and get really, uh, these strong benefits of, of doing, cold plunges uh, because they uh, lower your core temperature enough and you spend enough time in that cold temperature and cold showers don't really get that core body temperature to drop enough and for long enough so yeah they're uncomfortable and um, you'll probably shiver in there and and you do get some benefits but um, because your whole body is not submerged in water it's it's just not the same so again not that they're a bad thing, but a lot of the claims that we see are based off of research when you fully submerge in water, so it's it's not always the same thing. Um, but if you love taking cold showers and uh, you've noticed a benefit, then I think that's something that you should probably uh, keep going with and, and keep in your routine. So looking at some of the claims that we see with... Um, cold plunges uh we we see things like increased metabolism enhanced recovery from exercise improved sleep um, increased dopamine release pain management and uh, immunity boost so uh, i wanted to at least kind of go by go through these one by one and and talk about what's going on you know the mechanisms behind some of these things and you know is it something that's going to be really beneficial so Let's start with metabolism. Uh, there is definitely some truth to this when you are in cold temperatures, your metabolism is definitely going to, to increase. Now, is that significant? that's a different question. So let's first look at what happens when you get in cold water, because this will be relevant for a lot of the other benefits that we see. So normally much of the blood in your body is obviously it's going all over the place, but a lot of it is being pushed to your skin to help control temperature, right? We don't want to be too hot. We don't want to be too cold. So um, that blood circulation is going to help regulate some of that. Now, when we are exposed to cold, in this case, cold water, uh, there is that sympathetic nervous system response, right? It's it's a stress. It's a shock on the body. So we're going to get that uh, response. And what we see is blood vessels constrict and send blood Uh, more internally to organs to help control temperature right it's it's trying to keep you alive we want to make sure your your core temperature doesn't drop too much because that causes lots lots of problems so we see this vasoconstriction to re-divert the blood to the organs now if you're in a cold temperature for long enough usually around five minutes or so we actually see a vasodilation response so here's where now we have those blood vessels expanding and seeing blood circulate more but then being in cold still we're going to see more vasoconstriction and we kind of have this cycle that's going to continue when if we're in cold long enough and that's one of the benefits that we see with cold plunging is this improvement in circulation because we have vasoconstriction, vasodilation and that's helping push the blood around the body. So the important thing is though this takes time. So we need to be in cold long enough and that's something that we'll we'll talk about later. So This is one way where your body's trying to keep itself warm is to to divert that blood. Now, after a while, your body's going to realize it's cold. We need to regulate our internal temperature and we need to produce more heat. So it does this through energy production. And the two ways, the two main ways that it's going to increase heat through energy production is something called shivering and non-shivering thermogenesis. So what happens when you get into cold, you shiver. Right, so the nervous system tells the muscles to contract, relax continuously, and we get that um, uh, spontaneous shivering. Right, and that requires a muscle contraction requires energy to happen. So it's going to uh, uh, use that energy, and the result is not just the muscles contracting, but it's going to release heat as a byproduct of that energy production. So you shiver as a way to help warm up the body. Now, uh, that's only going to help so much. Again, if we stay cold for long enough, we're also going to activate non shivering thermogenesis, um, which is just like it sounds. It's going to be an increase in energy production uh, without shivering, right? So, this is where the um, infamous brown adipose tissue or brown fat comes into play. So, typically, brown fat amount is going to be higher in infants, and then we see it re- uh, reduces as we We get older, uh, but we still do have some some brown fat within the body. Uh, Brown fat is uh, brown; it has more mitochondria than white fat, and it's much more metabolically active, meaning it can burn a lot more energy, which is a lot of the benefits people will say with with brown fat. So, what we see when brown fat activates to to utilize more energy, we um we see an increase in glucose and fatty acid uptake in order to produce more heat. So the, this fat tissue is, is active and it's going to uh, create more heat. On a side note, um, because we're seeing this increase in uptake in things like glucose and fatty acid, the idea of using cold therapy to fight diabetes and insulin resistant has become more and more popular uh, for this specific reason. So it shouldn't be done on its own, but along with a, a proper diet and exercise plan Hot and cold exposure might be a great addition to a, a program to help with um, fighting diabetes and, and uh, insulin resistance. So, I guess the big question is: Are you just melting fat away by sitting in an ice bath? And uh, hopefully, you can see, of course, not right. You can't just get into to an ice bath on a regular basis and burn a ton of calories. It's just not how it works, despite what what you might hear. Um, now, while your metabolism does increase and i've seen uh, uh, about five times higher in cold exposure versus rest think about what what would happen in a moderate workout you're going to burn way more calories uh actually moving and exercising than a few minutes in an ice bath so while yes there is an increase in um metabolism it's not this huge significant number so um, I, I've heard uh, claims that you, you should end with cold and maybe you're doing contrast therapy or, or things like that um, because you will naturally warm up. You'll continue to shiver, you know, use this brown fat to uh to continue you know burning glucose and and fatty acids and and while all that might be true again this is such a small number you know once once you get out of the cold you're going to start to to warm up and um it's you know within a few minutes you're you're going to notice that you're not shivering as much and you're just not your metabolism is not as active so um i personally like to end with a hot shower after my my bath um, I just think it, it feels great and, um, it actually helps me get, get ready for bed, which is something I'm going to talk about later, but I know some people, they like to end with cold and that's fine. Um, again, I think it's something you can play around with, especially if you're new to, uh, ice baths, you may want to have a nice hot shower afterwards because you're going to be cold for a little while. And it's, it's a great way to, to kind of warm yourself up and, and go about your day again. So, um, I haven't seen anything really saying that one is better than the other, Um, so it's something that you can definitely play around with. So yes, we will see a a boost in your metabolism. Is it anything of significance? I think that's a different question. And honestly, if you're trying to improve body composition, sure, this could be a piece, a very small piece to the puzzle. Uh, you're really going to obviously focus on your nutrition and your exercise to really move the needle. And maybe this is just something that helps along the way. So uh, let's look at our next claim with enhanced recovery. Uh, It's another popular claim that we see with with, uh, ice baths. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know I've talked about this a lot in the past. But remember, when you work out, you stress the body and it it takes time to recover. So uh, ice baths have proven to help speed up the process a little bit for some forms of exercise, but it doesn't negate the process, right? We need a little bit of recovery. But there, there seems to be quite a few benefits to um, to using ice baths to help with recovery. Although some research is a little conflicting, so it's it's hard to give a a totally straight answer at this time. But at least we can see some consistency and some some trends. Uh, So we see some studies are showing post exercise cold water immersion uh, increases recovery of muscle strength and and power. So basically, you can get back to previous strength levels, and power output faster versus not taking ice baths. Um, We often see reduced muscle soreness, uh, at least faster. Again, you'll probably still be sore if you do something that will uh, increase DOMS, but you will probably see that effect uh, not last quite as long if you're regularly doing cold exposure. Uh, We see a reduction in perception of fatigue, so it might be more of a a placebo effect, psychological, but again, still, still beneficial. Um, we do see some markers of, uh, reduced markers of inflammation and, and muscle damage. So all these different things, uh, have been shown in, in a few studies with regular cold exposure. Uh, we get these benefits through a couple of different things. One, uh, that, uh, hydrostatic pressure. So just, this is again, why ice baths and cold showers aren't the same thing. Um, just going in water in general helps take the stress off the body, um, along with vasodilation, vasoconstriction, like we previously talked about, helps to um, take a little bit of stress off of the body. So it does a lot, helps that recovery process of getting the muscles to relax and to help increase that blood flow, because blood flow is going to be one of the most important things to help with recovery, right? we got to get nutrients to the tissue that we damaged in our workout, and we have to get rid of any metabolic byproducts and the faster we can we can make all that happen the faster that will recover uh, we see an alteration in hormonal responses increase in blood to organs uh, immune response so all, all these things that will help speed up that process now we have to keep in mind the type of training we do does um, does make a difference so we do see after resistance training if your primary goal is uh, increasing muscle size hypertrophy there might actually be a an a inhibited response uh in this process so when we exercise we're causing damage right specifically resistance training you're trying to damage that muscle tissue and then it's going to set a bunch of signals into place and now we are going to uh, heal that damaged tissue and the result is we get bigger muscles. Obviously this takes time and you know we have to continually exercise, good nutrition, all that good stuff, but they ha- we have to see these signals happen and now when you get into cold, we see a re- reduction in a lot of these signals, right like inflammation uh, levels go down. we see less markers of damage. So if you muffle these signals, we don't get the same anabolic response. So we have something called satellite cells, which are like stem cells on the muscle tissue, and they are activated normally because they're what's starting the healing process to build more muscle tissue. And when they are not responding um, or don't get the signal to activate, then we don't have that same uh, repair. Uh, we also see a, re- a reduction in mTOR signaling, which is the the process by which we we build more muscle tissue as well. So uh, there's a few studies out there showing that when cold water plunges is done. Uh, After heavy resistance training, there is blunting of the response. Um, Now we might bounce back to get uh, to our previous strength levels and power output faster. We're not seeing the same adaptation that we typically would see. So that's just an important thing to consider. Um, we do see some things, though, some increases in uh, blood vessel formation around muscle tissue, increases in mitochondrial biogenesis, and both of these are really important for endurance performance, uh, especially when we do long-term use uh, cold, cold water immersion. So might be helpful increasing some adaptations for endurance training, and while at the same time blunting some of the responses for resistance training. So you have to look at what's what's your primary goal, what are you accomplishing? Uh, so if muscle size is your, your main goal, you may not want to do cold plunges for several hours post-exercise. Um, it either has none or a slightly positive effect on endurance training, so you might want to focus on days that you're doing more endurance training to, to get into those um, ice baths. Now, if you're just trying to recover as quickly as possible for performance, so maybe you have a, another workout or you know a, another race coming up like the next day or in the afternoon Uh, something like that. Then, um, if performance is the goal and not adaptation, then it might be something totally appropriate to, uh, to do right after resistance training, um, or a race or something like that, because you're just trying to recover and heal as fast as you can. So you can do it again. On a kind of side note here, kind of an interesting thing. um, now, I, I get the question a lot, like, do you dunk your head, you know, do you do you put your head in the water? And, uh, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But an interesting thing, when you hold your breath and put your face in in water, especially cold water, it's going to uh, uh, trigger uh, the diving reflex. And we're actually going to see the re- release of red blood cells from the spleen, um, which might, you know, actually help, again, produce endurance performance. But, you know, I, I mentioned this, but I also give caution, you know, Putting your your um, your face in the water, holding your breath, things like that. Anytime you hold your breath in water, obviously things can go wrong and it can cause some some problems. So when you when you place your nose in cold water and holding your breath, this can also lead to the response of hyperventilation, panicking, uncontrollable gasping for air, uh, which obviously when you're in water, that's a big deal. So this isn't something that I would recommend for most people. Um, but you know it is kind of interesting that you could potentially do something like that. So, like I said, there there seems to be some good benefit with recovering uh, from exercise. You just have to be careful how you're you're using it based on the goals that you're trying to accomplish. Um, sleep is another big one. This this is one just you know personally I've noticed when I do my ice baths those nights I have. Um, uh, the easiest time falling asleep, you know, maybe it's just kind of the stress of getting into the water, that sympathetic response. And then you kind of have that parasympathetic follow-up afterwards that just kind of knocks you out. So, um, everyone's probably going to be a little different. There's, this one's a little tougher to answer, um, because the evidence on how cold water immersion can either help or hinder sleep is, is not very, clear Uh, some are going to argue that you know being exposed to cold increases cortisol levels Um, this is something that you typically don't want to see at night if you're trying to go to bed normally you see cortisol levels drop Um, cortisol levels are higher in the morning so it might be an argument hey do these kinds of things in the morning um, and that might be beneficial but there's also a few studies showing that cold water immersion post-exercise didn't hinder sleep quality or affect melatonin levels at all. Um, that was done specifically with athletes. So I think this is something you probably want to experiment with a little bit. Um, I know some people, they can't exercise in the evening because when they do, they have a really hard time falling asleep because, you know, their adrenaline's going um, and and they just have a hard time, you know, calming back down and, and falling asleep. And if that's the case, I'd I'd be willing to bet that maybe cold plunges in the evening is probably not a good good idea either, but um, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Just maybe don't uh, avoid doing it in the evening and, and stick to it in the morning. Uh, for me personally, it just doesn't work for me to do it in the morning. Uh, so I tend to do it post-workout um, or recovery days, and I'll do it uh, you know, after my endurance training like I mentioned, and typically I do it in the evenings. And then I'll take a hot shower and then I I feel amazing and have absolutely no troubles falling asleep and actually um, probably have better night's sleep uh, on those days. So this is one, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence, um, even just in studies, you know, using more uh, objectives or um, uh, subjective measurements of, you know, surveys and things like that. People claim that they they sleep better. So uh, it is something that potentially could. Could be useful if, if you're having a hard time uh, falling asleep. Uh, another one, dopamine release, right? So uh, it, it's kind of funny to think, you know, something po- so painful leads to to something that feels so good, right? Uh, the more I do it, obviously, that I do think it gets easier, but it's never easy to you know, dip your body in really, really cold water. Uh, it's, it's always hard to do and it's ho- hard to get in. It's hard to stay in. Um, but when you finish you, you do feel great. And a lot of it is because of that, that dopamine responses. Um, we have this brain chemistry effect of getting in, in cold, cold water. So whole body whole body cold in general, um, triggers the release of neurotransmitters such as serotonin, cortisol, dopamine, Norepinephrine and beta endorphins. So all of these uh, can can obviously help how your brain functions, but tend to uh, play an important role in emotion regulation, stress regulation, and reward processing. Um, kind of an, on an interesting note, deficiencies in these specific neurotransmitters have been reported to be important factors in developing psychiatric disorders like uh, depression, anxiety, emotional disturbances, and things like that um i'm not saying that just doing cold plunges will fix all you know m- mental um disorders or issues um, or stresses but it could be an important piece to the the solution uh so if you know we can add this to you know somebody who is suffering from anxiety or or depression along with a lot of the other things that they're doing um this might be a great addition to help because we do see this uh, n- neurotransmitter response uh usually the study that gets claimed or shown the most about dopamine uh was one that showed a dopamine levels increased by 250 percent with with cold water immersion but um i do think it's important that we we explain in that study they were submerged for an hour in cold water so uh an hour is a very long time. Most people struggle to get 10 minutes in in cold water. So to do it for an hour, a uh, few days a week, it might be asking a lot. Now, that doesn't mean that doing it for a few minutes does nothing, but the, this study that usually gets that thrown out about how much dopamine is released, um, just keep in mind, it was with a lot of cold exposure. So most people probably won't see the that thing that 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 amount but it does seem to have many positive benefits for for brain chemistry all right uh pain management's another one right we we hear you know when when you're hurt ice tends to feel better um this is another one a lot of anecdotal evidence not not a ton of of hard evidence that i could find um but this is, again one of those things if um if you personally are getting in cold plunges and are suffering from maybe some chronic pains, and you feel better afterwards. That that's all the information I need. But it's always good to at least know what's going on. Now, uh, if we have this dopamine increase, that makes you feel good. So it makes sense that if you're normally in pain, you get uh, that cold plunge in, and then you you feel good afterwards. That pain's probably gonna be alleviated at least temporarily when that's. Uh, a good thing if you're you're dealing with pain all the time I uh, was able to find one study that looked at those that suffered from from gout and they were exposed to uh, or for 20 minutes per day for four weeks so yeah that's a pretty long time um, but they saw significant decreases in pain stress, re- stress reduction and depression uh, so that that makes a, a lot of sense right if you're you're feeling You know, pretty good when you get out. Uh, Not in pain. We also saw increases in quality of life. Uh, You're probably more active because you uh, aren't in as much pain. So all great things. So uh, even if that pain is temporary, if that release is temporary, it's still allowing them to do more things. Because, like I said, they they saw increases in joint mobility and physical activity. Uh, So. This is pretty, pretty significant. So uh these significant improvements without side effects of medication um is pretty cool. So cold therapy um also decreases uric acid and increases glutathione, which is a major antioxidant. So, uh, uric acid is increases in uric acid is really common in those that suffer from, from gout. So again, I know this is a very specific situation, but, um, again, these were individuals that had arthritis from gout that were, you know, uh, in a lot of pain, it it led to some significant increases in their or increases in, in their ability to do things. Um, so obviously cold helps with inflammation like we talked about it um we, we see that decrease in blood flow through vasoconstriction and we see vasodilation to increase blood flow uh, all these things help speed up the the healing process so um, again circulation seems to be the key so if we need more circulation to heal from maybe an injury that we have uh doing something like cold plunges or contrast therapy where we're alternating between cold and hot can all be some great things there um we also see cold uh, effects on the nervous system. So we see it slows peripheral nerve conduction, which uh, helps numb the pain, sensation of pain. So again, this this is, uh, it might be temporary benefits, but again, if you're in a lot of pain or chronic pain, this might be some way to help deal with it, hopefully without or with less mens. Um Of course, you always need to find out why you are in pain in the first place, but this might be a, a great piece to the, the, the the puzzle to help you deal with with some of those and then finally i wanted to talk about um that immunity boost that's another big claim that we see so can you boost your immunity with repeated cold plunges again not super clear evidence on on this but there's definitely some some promise so um one study showed that acutely there was no effect on the immune system, meaning just getting in a cold plunge and then hopping out, really don't see much of anything happen. Um, but they repeated this um, cold plunge three times a week for six weeks, uh, and they did see a significant increase in the immune response. So While acutely they didn't see anything, when they chronically did the cold exposure, they did see um, things like higher level of interleukin 6 Uh, T helper cells, T suppressor cells, lymphocytes, uh, other markers uh, that the immune system is uh, engaged in in increasing activity. So all important, important things to help, you know, fight viruses, diseases and things like that. Um, But again, an important thing we need to know, they were in uh, temperatures of 57 degrees, which is, you know, chilly, not not the coldest, but it's definitely cold. And they were in for an hour at a time. So that's three hours uh, a week that they were in cold water um, so another study found similar effects we saw a, a big increase in some of these markers of the immune system uh, in cold uh, temperatures when especially when compared to uh, heated temperatures and actually when they exercised prior to the cold plunge they saw even uh, a more significant increase in the immune response so I thought that was kind of interesting that the combination of uh, exercise followed by cold exposure increase that immune response so uh so yes there is some some truth there that probably doesn't mean you'll never get sick but again in combination of, of a you know good diet um exercising taking care of your body uh, it's just helping the immune system uh even if it's just a little bit so um so hopefully you can see there, there's a lot of promise in cold plunges. Uh, Like I was was saying, I think a lot of them kind of get blown out of proportion a little bit. It's not going to lead to these dramatic changes for, for most people. Um, but it leads, it's a great addition to a lot of hopefully the good things that you're already doing. Um, so the, the info is still kind of young, right? There's more and more info coming out, more studies, uh, learning more about how the body re- responds to cold. Um, and I do believe there are a lot of upside with minimal downsides. Now, of course, there are downsides to this. Um, a lot of people have the mentality of more is better, right? If cold's good, colder is even better. And I do think that runs uh, the risk of some problems, right? There's there's a problem with getting very, very cold. We have important regulation in, within our body to monitor our internal temperature. If it gets too hot or if it gets too cold, bad things happen. So we don't want to run the risk of causing these issues if we're getting into really, really cold. Um, And I just don't think it's necessary uh, to do something like that, especially looking at the risks. And there have been reported risks of of heart issues, um, cardiac arrest things like that with with cold exposure. So if you have health risks, especially with the heart, high blood pressure, heart disease, things like that, definitely consult with your doctor before trying anything like this. And definitely ease your way in. Don't go right for the coldest thing. Start with a little cold, You know, just something a little uncomfortable, just like when you're lifting weights. You're not gonna go for 500 pounds right away. You're gonna work your way up to it, right? So we're, we're taking care of ourselves and being being smart about it. Um, when you're implementing things like this, again, the two components we have to pay attention to are temperature and time. You can see a lot of these studies used like an hour, uh, and, and some even longer than that, that they were exposed to cold. Uh, so that's tough to, to sit in cold for, for that long. And it's time consuming. A lot of people just have a, they have a hard enough time finding an hour to work out to add an hour cold plunge, uh, is asking a lot. That doesn't mean that shorter doesn't work, but just keep that in mind. Like I mentioned with, with some of the claims that we see, um, they're based on some of these longer duration. So what's the magic number again? I I think you have to play around with it a little bit and see what works for you. Start small and then build your, your way up. Um, think of it as the colder you get, probably the less time you need to spend in there and the less cold you're in, you probably want to spend a little bit more time. Uh, most of the research is showing, uh, or at least is using temperatures around 48 to 58 degrees Fahrenheit, um, for about five to 15 minutes or so. And that's kind of the standard that you're, you're going to see. I know on, um, uh, on Huberman's, Huberman's podcast, he talks about, uh, 11 minutes per week. Uh, honestly i searched everywhere and i can't find a single thing supporting that um i think that's a little short um uh, based on all the things i see i think we need a little bit more exposure but again it probably just depends on what you're trying to do if it's more of a mental thing and you're just trying to you know get in uncomfortable water for a little bit and then hop out that that's you know, still going to see a lot of benefit from that. But I think really that five to 15 minutes multiple times a week is probably going to be, um, a little bit closer, but again, it's something that there's, I don't think there's hard evidence of this amount of time in this temperature. It's just kind of something that we're, we're, we're guessing, but it does seem if we want the physiological effects, uh we need long enough and we need cold enough for a lot of that to, to happen. So I would say if you can, now I know sometimes you're in cold environment and the water's just cold right now. There's nothing you can do about it. It's it's going to be super cold and I can't spend more than two, three minutes in there, and that's just what you work with. And then as the temperature warms up, uh you can spend a little bit more more time in there. But I think trying to shoot for like that 10 to 15 minute range uh seems to be pretty good to get some of those those benefits there. Um, but really, the key is to find the routine that that works for you. Like like I mentioned, um, it's hard for me to do in the mornings. I know a lot of people like those morning plunges to start their day. I just that doesn't work for me. So I, I do afternoons and evenings. Like I mentioned, i have no issues sleeping. Um, and so that's not a problem. So that that works for me. But I don't do it after resistance training. I just focus on doing it on either recovery days or after my endurance training uh so i have to fill it with ice um so it takes me time to make ice and get it ready so i can only do it like two three days a week right now um unless i want to just keep going out and and buying more ice but as the temperature gets colder even out in southern california uh i need less and less ice right now so it um it, it 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 it's something i might be able to get in a little bit more more often So I mentioned uh the Pod Company. They are a sponsor of the show. That's the uh the brand I use, the uh Ice Pod Pro. Uh if you wanna check them out and um, you know, try out their product, you can go to podcompany.com. And uh and actually if you go to the show notes for this episode and uh follow uh, the link that I have in there, you'll also get a promo code for $10 off your your order. Um, so I, I hope this clears things up with cold plunges and, and obviously as, as we learn more about it and more research comes out, we might, you know, make, make some changes, but it like I said, it's something I've really enjoyed doing. Uh, I do see a positive benefit with it again, nothing that's like, you know, uh, changing everything, but it seems to be a nice addition to a lot of the, the things that I'm, I'm doing to help me you know, just take care of my body and and stay fresh and continue to work out and and do the things that I enjoy doing. So uh, I'd love to hear if if you are big into uh, the cold plunges, definitely reach out and let me know. How do you do it? What's been working well for you? Maybe uh, what doesn't work well for you? Do you agree with some of the things I talked about or disagree? Um, Love to hear it. So definitely reach out and let me know. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 106 of the OCR Underground Show. As always, thanks for tuning in. And I hope you found this helpful and can apply some of the things that we talked about today to your training routine. Uh, Don't forget to check out the show notes for today's episode and um, check out some of the sponsors. Uh, You'll get the special links and the promo codes for uh, the amino company like Pod Company and the IcePod Pro, as well as uh, the Dara's Scale from FitTrack. And while you're there, uh, you can check out all the other programs I have, uh, both free. And if you're looking for other help um, and and coaching programs that I offer, make sure you check out OCLunderground.com and check out everything I have there. Uh, that's it for now. I'll be back soon with another great episode. Until then, keep training smoother.